Hello everyone and welcome to Lab4U Talks. I'm your host, Kumar Datlani, CEO and co-founder at Lab4U. And this week, I could not be happier to bring you my conversation with an engineer, scientist and educator that I personally admire very much, Mrs. Martha Vargas Steyer. Martha worked as an electrical engineer for the California Department of Transportation before bringing all that knowledge to the physics classroom at Cristo Rey High School in Sacramento, California, where she now encourages young creative minds to solve real-world problems using hands-on science experiments. In this episode, we discussed everything from how selfies can be an important part of lab homework to how distance learning can provide important opportunities for growth. I was inspired by our conversation and I hope you are too. Thank you for listening. Hello everyone, this is Kumar Datlani, CEO and co-founder at Lab4U and today I'm extremely happy because I've got one of our favorite educator in Lab4U in this Zoom call for this podcast at Lab4U Talks. I've got with me Mrs. Marta Vargas Steyer from Sacramento, Cristo Rey Sacramento High School. Thank you so much for joining uh, our podcast today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I met, uh, I actually personally met uh, Mrs. Tyre uh, a few weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, we were socially distant. Uh, we, we took some pictures and, and it was a, it was a beautiful moment to, to connect with someone who've been, we've been working with uh, for the past uh, couple of months uh, uh, at lab for you And, and before, before we dig deeper into what Mrs. Steyer is doing with her students, I just want to briefly tell you about Mrs. Steyer, Mrs. Martha Vargas Steyer. I'm very proud of that uh, Latin American surname as well. Mrs. Bar- Mrs. Martha Vargas Steyer. She is um, from California State University. She's an engineer. She's got a Bachelor of, in, of Science in Electrical Engineer and a Master of Science in Biomedical Engineering. Uh, a brilliant engineer. Uh, and uh, today uh, she teaches at Cristo Rey High School Physics. So uh, as an engineer, please tell us a little bit about your experience um, being an engineer for so many years at Caltrans. So interesting you asked because last weekend there was a career fair, you know, and they have students come talk to different yes, professionals. Yes. So I happened to give the talk and I had to think about how would I summarize 30 years of being an electrical engineer at Caltrans. So I picked some of my most favorite projects that I did there. And so the most recent project that I actually had the pleasure of working with some brilliant engineers had to do with a detector that can tell the difference between a bicycle and a car. Why do you care? Well, as you know, at a traffic signal, you can have one section, the main street always green and the side street is always red until a car is there, until there's a demand placed on the intersection. Well, a law passed in California that said you had to detect bicycles. So we modified the loop detector in the pavement. It's called a type D loop that can detect bicycles, but it can't tell the difference between a bike and a car. This was a problem. They did research at UC Berkeley to decide how long it took for a bicyclist to go, oh, it's green, and then get started and then make it across the intersection. It's a lot longer than for a car. So the red, green, and yellow is a lot longer. 
and this was a real problem. So we came to a conclusion that there was a radar detector, and so we did a research study. So I led the research study on a radar detector, distinguished between the two. So you only gave the additional green time, if and only if it was required, for a bicyclist. So we used it at Chico State University. We did a bunch of data collection there, then in West Sacramento, and then finally we installed it in Huntington Beach, right along oh, wow. the ocean, where, where bicyclists were used to just blowing off a red light because the detectors wouldn't catch them. So we had to come up with a sign that says, bicyclists, wait for wait for signal. And anyway, that was really a fun thing that took the last couple of years. That was really fun. That was very wow. gratifying. Yeah, the bicyclist community really appreciated it. They invited me to several of their conferences in California. <laughs> and so that was really fun. But the other really fun one that was earlier, maybe halfway through my career, was with fiber optics. So in Southern California, predominantly, they have over 500 miles of miles of fiber optic cable underneath the freeway on underneath the shoulder because mm -hmm. of the cameras closed circuit mm. tvs monitors to be able to have surveillance right or mm -hmm. verification of incidents and so on so this was a huge issue of how to install it because there wasn't any guidelines so i actually published the fiber optic design guidelines <laughs> and the federal highway administration the u.s dot got wind of it they found out that i had developed a class that should have been a clue that I was really into being a teacher because I took this class on the show on the road to various uh, Southern California districts because California is divided in different offices called mm -hmm. districts. And so then they invited me to teach the class for the Nevada DOT. And that was fun. And then they liked my class so much. It was a two-day class that they invited me to teach it for the Hawaii DOT. <laughs> and I had never been there. So my husband and I got to go. We stayed for a week, all paid for by the United States Department of Transportation. So there are just a lot of fun projects that I got involved in that were something new that we had to do to solve a problem. Wow. And, and I mean, you've, you've been in, in California. I see you've been in, in, in Fremont and in, in, in Sacramento. You've worked as an engineer your entire, almost your entire professional career, solving all these problems, right? Very much into STEM. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I, I can see here that uh, general electric medical system, you know, when you were with the uh, NMRI instruments. So you, 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 you worked as an engineer solving problems uh, right. in, in California, in the United States. But now, um, and in the past couple of years, today, you know, at Cristo Rey High School, you're teaching physics and inspiring the future engineers. I want to understand how this, you know, amazing engineer uh, <laughs> went from, you know, solving problems in engineering at Caltrans and, and, and other organizations to being a physics teacher. What inspired you to, to make this jump into you know, engineering to helping future engineers? So I, I think the bottom line is I would have to say I call it a God thing because I started volunteering for Cristo Rey about eight ah. years before I retired. But I was a math volunteer. So I okay. was tutoring pre-calculus, algebra two. And so I thought, and the way I phrased it, I thought that someday when I grow up, I'll be a math teacher. And with math, <laughs> then you can get him into sciences. So that's what I thought I was going to do. And so I was getting close to retirement. I, and I, I actually tutored once a week all school year. I'd sneak out of work early. Yeah, I worked so many long hours. I didn't feel bad doing that during the school year. <laughs> and then what happened was I retired. I, I did get, I took a test. It's called a CBEST, California mm -hmm. Basic, whatever, t uh, education test. Take that test. And then I could be a long-term sub, substitute. And so what happened was I ended up being a sub for two weeks in physics. 
So I had to do some reviewing of physics, thanks to Khan Academy. <laughs> I used them to review some things. And I came home, I told my husband, oh my gosh, I know what I want to be when I grow up. This is too much fun. <laughs> so then I thought, you know, you still have to use math. But with right. physics, now we're doing fun things, fun demonstrations. So always trying to wow them and, and make them really impressed and have fun with it. So it's really a math right. class. It's applicable math, right? Applications right. using math right. skills, right? So that's how that fell in. And I thought this, this is too much fun. Right, right, right. Uh, and and why, sorry, I, I do want to dig a bit deeper into your 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 passion why do you say i i seek to inspire future engineers like what in in your engineering experience like today what are you doing as a physics teacher and and we'll dig deeper later on on the labs but today why do you want to inspire future engineers well, why do you main, want your students to enter into engineering well one main reason is unfortunately enrollment of female engineering students have been has been dropping There were more when I was in college and there weren't very many. I think it was the ratio was seven to eight to one, which is kind of fun for a young, single young woman, right? But now it's much, <laughs> much worse. So that's a problem. And so then I thought, well, wouldn't it be neat? And again, I think it's a God thing because I really thought I was going to be teaching math. Wouldn't it be interesting to be able to just use my engineering background experience? And I have. It's really easy with each chapter for me to give an example of a real life problem that is being solved either I had to do it or my colleagues had to do it using these principles to say, you guys, this is real. Everything, I this hear that a lot. You know, this is real. <laughs> really using mm -hmm. that. So that's one of the things is to see if I can, and initially it was to see if I can engage more female students into engineering. Then being a Cristo Rey, I realized there's not a whole lot of Latinos either. So then I told them we need Latinos. And in that email that I, I was telling you about an email I got, he even said, you're right, Ms. Tyre, I, I, I'm excited to be a Latino now in engineering. One of my former students had sent me an email just two days ago. So again, it reminded me that I must what, have been what, saying What that did the first... student, can you tell us a little bit, what did the student write to you? So two days ago, I got a wonderful, beautiful email from a student from my very first year there. And in the email, he's now a sophomore. And they know that they've been hearing me tell him when you're a sophomore, that's usually when you take college physics. So mm -hmm. my goal was always, I told him, is for you to feel prepared and know you're going to pass physics because it is a weed out class. I don't know if all universities, it certainly was at Purdue for me, but I'm guessing most universities, it's a weed out class. So I told them there's plenty of smart students that don't pass. And it's not because they weren't smart. It's because they weren't prepared. They hadn't heard the concepts before. They hadn't heard mm -hmm. the any of the know how to use their calculator in certain ways that they didn't have to do in math and so mm -hmm. on. So I told him, that's my goal is for you to be able to feel prepared and say, oh, I sort of remember this. Oh, we did something like this mm -hmm. to feel prepared. So in the email, he actually said to me, thank you. I feel so well prepared. What I learned from you really made a difference. I know it really it came at a good time too. I really needed to hear that. It was really beautiful. So that, that just inspires me even more you know, to get it to be exciting and fun for them. Because that's, I tried to do like a demonstration, if not once a week, every two weeks where they'd come in and they see something up, jerry-rigged up on the wall, what's that? And then I'd show them the demonstration to, to prove the point of whatever concept we were trying to do. Case in point, maybe you're familiar with the hunter and the monkey, the hunter and the monkey. It, it's tell, a famous tell. experiment. If you Google Hunter and the Monkey. So I showed them the video and it must be in a college classroom because it's a huge ceiling where they mm -hmm. have this really tall ladder. And at the top, they have a stuffed animal monkey. And then they have a gun, like a, a, oh, a yes. metal ball. So the question is, if I drop the monkey at a certain time 
and I'm going to yeah. shoot the gun at the exact same time. Should I point it at the monkey, slightly above it or slightly below it? Because we were discussing two-dimensional motion. Mm-hmm. So I show them the uh, video and then I show them what I had worked up in the classroom. And just to hear the excitement. But first they walk in going, what's that? Because, you know, there's a cable up there, up it's connected to the ceiling. <laughs> and then the gun, I have a student come and they have to pull the, the trigger to let that ball go at the same time. Oh, it was awesome to see their faces go. <laughs> and that was my goal. Always trying to make them have fun with why this is so important. Another fun example I did in the classroom was it was a two-dimensional motion. So they had to decide where the little ceramic box I had on the floor. I bought it at the Dollar Tree. Mm-hmm. And they knew from the equipment I had said exactly the initial velocity. What velocity was that bullet leaving it? Mm-hmm. Not a bullet. It was a big big metal ball leaving. And so from that initial velocity, they could figure out the distance of where it was going to land mm-hmm. on the floor. Well, when they finally calculated it correctly, it was a cheap ceramic that it, it shattered the ceramic and they went, <gasps> and they looked at me to see if I was going to be mad. And I went, yes. And they felt better <laughs> because they got it right. Anyway, that kind of thing. I love listening. I love listening. Uh, I, um, I, I can tell and I'm sure our listeners also can tell that you are a very practical, hands-on uh, physics teacher. You're not the kind of physics teacher that's full of theory and, you know, just learn these formulas by heart, but you are very practical. You have the demonstration and you want your students to get their hands dirty. Tell me, why is that important to you? Why is that practice important to you? Well, I sort of found it out by accident the first year, the first semester, Mm -hmm. the very first demonstration I gave to them, there was a motion sensor in the front of the room. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that these seniors in high school didn't really understand how to read a graph. So Mm -hmm. the sensor motion was in the front of the room. I had a student come right up to the front of the room. He was all proud to be the one doing it. (laughs) And they could see projected on the screen position versus time. So he walked back slowly. I said, try to keep the same speed. And he, they saw the graph move from the lower left-hand corner up to the mm-hmm. right and perfectly diagonal. Then I had him stop. Mm-hmm. So then the flat, the graph went straight. Mm-hmm. Then I had him come back and then it went back down. And to see mm-hmm. their eyes go, mm-hmm. like they get it now. And yeah. that's when I realized, oh my gosh, you need to be able to experience it as it's happening. Then they can read a graph. Right. So last right. summer when I was panicking, how am I going to teach physics? distance, I have to find a lab. (laughs) So I was specifically, I was Googling motion man physics, moving to position versus time lab. I was trying everything. And it took me hours before I stumbled upon lab for you. And I got so excited with that lab. And that's how I discovered the other labs because, you know, we ended up doing a total of 10 formal labs using lab for physics. And then there was, um, I think, three extra credit labs, which many of them did. And so just mm-hmm. this last night, I finished grading their first simulation lab. Notice the face, simulation. But I don't feel so bad because it was their first one. So their mm-hmm. last lab this year is going to be with so, electronics. Okay. So, uh, you know, the, the pandemic hit us hard, especially when it comes to, you know, doing labs at, at school, university, you know, teachers are struggling, you know, physics teachers and, and science teachers in, in general have been struggling on how to do labs during the pandemic. So uh, tell me again, so 
because we we connected last year. I I didn't know that that whole story about how you found us. I and now over the now summer. I'm, it was over uh, the summer time. Yeah. Um, I I just remember we we got a uh, I think it was uh, one of my colleagues Nathan that got one of your emails and and then we connected um, and and since the first call we had it was just always so inspiring to listen to you and I you know we said no we we have to work with you uh, definitely so how many labs how many lab for physics labs have you done with your students ten oh wow just, during the our- pandemic. Yes, during the time of pandemic. So I want to say we did, I don't remember if it was five or six last semester or six and then four yeah. this semester because this semester we still have a, almost a whole quarter to go now. Yeah. Right. And how was how how was the students like? How did you see the students? I, I I remember you sending me some some pictures. Can you can you tell us an anecdote about one of uh, one of the labs? Sure. So one of the things that I kind of stumbled upon was I learned this at the end of last year. Then the last year I didn't feel bad because they had done all their labs in the classroom, so we had to switch to and I did two virtual labs. But what I did was I forced them, I obligated them requirement for them to include a selfie of them doing the lab. And really, the reason was I like to encourage that. I like them. That. Yeah. Well, I did is to encourage them to do the lab because you can't right. just share documents and so on, right? Had to show them doing it. So I continued that. I wanted them to show me screenshots, so they had mm-hmm. to, you know, take a picture of whatever we're doing, um, whether it's velocity, acceleration, screenshots. But it had to be a picture of them. So I said it has to be a selfie, or you have someone in your family taking a picture of it. So what I ended up doing, we're making these collages. Mm-hmm. So all their pictures, because they were just so inspiring to me, their excitement of them. Sometimes they, had, you could see their little brother holding the little yeah. toy car, you know, <laughs> something with them next to it. It's so cute bringing the whole family in. Um, so, but what I discovered is in doing that collage, I would share with them. I'd post it on Google Classroom. Here you are. So they could see each other. They're seniors. Mm. They've been in school together for three years and they could see each other. So that was really exciting, uh, particularly in the very beginning, the extra credit ones. But the, the the most recent one, the last one they did was music. We were doing sound waves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I took a lab that I adapted that we did in the classroom. And the fact that you have a frequency spectrum analyzer as part of the app is, to me, still mind-blowing. I keep telling them, this is $10,000, a little box, and it's just one little piece <laughs> on there, right? So <laughs> I was surprised at how many of them have a, a musical instrument. A recorder, a violin, um, a guitar, a piano, keyboard. And for those people who absolutely did not, I provided links to three right. different instruments with the keys right. or how to do it. Right. Well, get, uh, imagine this. One of the students actually emailed me saying, Ms. Tyre, you know, I don't remember. Can you tell me where the notes are in a violin? Uh okay. Uh okay. Well, what do I do? I just Googled it. I found a great table, a grand link. <laughs> And so I sent that to her and she was so grateful. She sent me an email thanking me so much. But it was so exciting for them to find where those notes were, let mm-hmm. alone to find the correlation of what happens in an octave for the actual right. speech uh, spectrum, the frequency, yeah. the first note and the last note. So and, that was and the notes and the frequency, like they you know, just comparing it with the different instruments, right? Right. Right, right, right. So that collage was very special. And then I, I finally started doing this. I wish I'd done this earlier, but the last few, some of their words in their lab, because in the lab for you is, you know, what did you learn? How'd you feel? And the one that said, gosh, I'm actually collecting real data and I'm analyzing my own data. This was just so awesome, or <laughs> however they, they said it. And so then I didn't want to have to ask them permission. So I didn't, 
I didn't put their name. I just put their quote in that collage. <laughs> nice. So they could see. They could see, oh, I'm on the road that, that kind of thing. So that was really, really fun, really gratifying. No, I, so. I, I love how you how you express it. I've, I've enjoyed all the collages with the pictures that you've sent because I can, I can actually see how you're making physics fun, fascinating and inspiring in your own words, uh, your students, you know, you, you, and you're taking all these real life examples and you're sharing it with the students and, and making it fun. Uh, I, I, I really wish, you know, all of us have teachers and educators like you that that are inspiring students um I'm, I'm curious to know now during the pandemic and in the past couple of months how have you been engaging with your students like these labs like homework how, how are you is it like you connect over zoom like how, how are you doing it can, can so you maybe I, if we can help other educators take this example so and, will, and, and replicate say- it Absolutely. I'll say a caveat, though. I made a promise to my students at the beginning of the year in August that I said, you know what, pandemic or no, my goal is to give you the same quality of honors physics that the previous two years get. So we're going to figure this out. We're not going to let this pandemic get to us. Love it. But I will also say that I've met to them many times. I say, you guys, unlike some of your teachers, my, I'm, I don't have little kids any home at home anymore. I'm done with that. So I have met with students at 5 p.m., at 7 p.m. on a Friday mm. night. I even met with one one student so far on a Sunday night because I could. I wanted them to feel like, remember how you used to come into my classroom previously at, right after lunch because my class is right after lunch so they mm. could come and get homework, help on their homework or they come after school. So mm. I started doing that on the Zoom. The way they do it is I meet with them twice a week. They call that synchronous classes. And then Mm -hmm. the other twice a week are asynchronous classes where they Mm -hmm. have homework. And who knew a year ago if you had told me that I would have my own YouTube channel (laughs) because I've made so many (laughs) videos. And I want to explain that because what I decided to do was the way my format of my class was in the beginning was, did anybody have any question on the homework that's due today? We'll go through that. Then it would be lecture, lecture, material, theory, and so on, which might include the demonstration and so on. And then the last maybe 15-ish minutes would be homework problems to prepare you for tonight's homework. In the back of the chapter, Mm. they'd have preparation problems. So I would do that every day. So what I did this time instead, since I only met with them twice a week, was I only did the lecture material, demonstrations through Zoom and so on. And all those homework preparation uh, is on videos. It's on YouTube, my YouTube Mm. channel. So what I've noticed is that they tell you how many views. So it seems Mm. that half of my students read the book, read the book examples and figure mm. it out. And they don't watch my video, which is fine. Mm. I mm. wasn't that kind of student. I was the kind of student, just show me, give me an example, show me how to do it. That's the kind of student I was. Mm. So those kind of students are watching my videos, maybe more than once to see how to solve those problems. And then they feel prepared to do the actual homework problems. So mm. that's how I've been doing it. And they call office hours, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm supposed to have asynchronous day office hours. Yeah, they know five, six days a week, just ask Ms. Steyer. They know she'll meet with you <laughs> because that's awesome. the most fun part. I think nice. I told them, I'm like, thank you so much, Ms. Steyer. I'm like, yeah, thank you. This is the most fun part. And I hang out with my, I hang out. I'm like, oh my God, that was so much fun. That's like working with the student one-on-one, right. you know, tell, showing them that you believe in them and helping them and getting excited when they make a mistake, make a mistake. I'm so glad that was a great mistake. Let me tell you why. And then they told them, All right, this is the time to make the mistakes. It's not a right. time to make it during the test. But certainly for homework, because there's so many homeworks, I actually grade their homework every single day. Oh, and wow. I know that's that's probably not, 
I'm guessing not sustainable if I taught a full-time load, which I don't. So I can, so I do. Mm. And they benefit from that because that's where we really learn for the next homework. It, or if right. they want to say, I still don't get this problem. And, you know, I saw your comments, can, you, can we go through this? So Right. Like, like you know, in, in when you're running your experiments, you make mistakes, right? And you do it again. And that's just part of the, the process. Even with inquiry, you just ask questions. Uh, and, and you go through through that process of, you know, experimenting. Right. Case in point, um, the second to last penultimate lab was a the Hooke's Law. Yes. So I got on, on uh, Amazon a box full of, I don't know how many springs, it was 10 bucks, <laughs> you know, and I mailed 18. That's how many are in my honors now. Some of them had to go to a different class. I, I mailed them to their home and they're little itty bitty springs. Mm -hmm. It was good for them. Well, so I met with one of the students about it last week and she said, oh, Mr. Um, I kind of I kind of got it caught on to something and it won't come back. It won't string back. I go, oh, that's great. There's a there's a graph. What's what's it called? And I couldn't remember the name. I said, okay, straight. Okay, the Newtons and the distance. But mm -hmm. then you, you reach a point and then it doesn't continue linear anymore. What is that point? You need to write that. And you're laughing. I said, wait a minute, did you get good data? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. This was afterwards. I go, oh, excellent. So then I Googled it. I found it. It was the limit of elasticity. Depends on yes. which, right? And I showed it to her. I go, this is brilliant. You now learned. <laughs> so I was getting all excited because she messed up. You know, she it doesn't have the same. I said, you've changed the spring constant now. <laughs> so that was one way to learn, right? Absolutely. There were cheap springs. I didn't have to worry about it. I didn't want them back anyway. I didn't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Just for for our listeners, uh, Mrs. Dye is, talk, is talking about an experiment we have at Lab for Physics called Hooks Hook On, which is a Hooks Law, where we are we are analyzing the constant of the spring. Uh, so this is elastic force experiment available on Lab for Physics. Uh, that is that is fun. Um, did the students take pictures of, of that experiment as well? I haven't received her lab report. Hers is coming, but she has yeah. to because there's an actual right. full 10 points out of 100 for oh, the wow. photo. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is wow. Not, that's wow. a whole letter grade. The, the evidence, the evidence of exactly. the experience. Of you doing the lab. And by the way, another anecdote that the same student did. Uh, when we were doing the lab for a two-dimensional motion, we had to roll the ball off the countertop and you had to take the picture. And, yes. And you're catching. Well, When I did it here in the kitchen, I had my husband hold the phone while I was rolling the ball. So I can't right. do it. Well, apparently she didn't have anybody to help her. And she mm. in ingeniously figured out a way using her headphones, having the phone in a certain spot and how to press the button on her headphones <laughs> to make the... So I gave her an award. I gave her a little trophy. It was on paper that I projected to Zoom with her name on it. So it was just amazing how these students had to wow. come up with... Very not not all the labs that you have to be far away for at the same time as but yeah no so and they had fun with it I could tell right, they were enjoying right. it besides learning some physics right right absolutely <laughs> I, I I love it you know just having fun while you're learning physics uh, so just to uh, explain our uh, our listening listeners this example so in alpha physics there are some experiments where normally pre pandemic we would do in groups. You know, groups of students, right? Two or three, you know, three students. So one one student, for example, is uh, sliding down, you know, a, a toy car, or is working with a marble, or or whatever the the experiment.
experimental setup is and the other student is probably um, on in a def defined distance measuring the distance either recording or uh, uh, taking the accelerometer data or sonometer data or recording the movement of a trajectory with the with the camera but here at home uh, many students are by themselves not necessarily with their siblings or parents at home so while, while doing the experiment uh, that that extra hand if you want to record and take a picture while you're doing the experiment with with your smartphone as a measuring tool um, in, in some cases could have been challenging but this student she figured it out you know she connected her headphones uh, she ran the experiment she took the picture she, she recorded I mean what a creative process in, in, in that which is which is fantastic I don't know if I, I re-explained that yes, well Mrs. That Dyer that was good yeah <laughs> a, a, a great because uh, some some of our listeners are going to be listening on, on Spotify and Apple podcast and others are going to look at us you know on, on, on YouTube um, so those are different experiences and I, I wanted to share with our our listeners this um, Mrs. Dyer I remember you once sent me the answers of some labs of your students uh so they were they were explaining what they learned i think it was the metacognition exercises at, at the end what has been you know what what answer do you remember the most what has called your attention uh with with those uh answers of the students that are replying to to the lab work or the lab report well the one that comes to my mind first was back in august and it was an introductory. They had to play, I think it's called play mm -hmm. physics, but they yeah. had to write a paragraph for me on what they yeah. saw and what they did. That was mm -hmm. it. And he wrote, I am so excited for what there is to come. <laughs> in other words, <clears throat> I could tell he had fun because he actually wrote that he's so excited and he's continued yeah. that way. A very, very hardworking student. Oh, so it's been it. really exciting. I yeah. love it. I love it. Um, if you had a magic wand, Chan, 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 like Harry Potter style magic wand. If you had a magic wand, uh, what would you want for your students? Wow, it's interesting you tell me that because right now we're in training all week mm. because next week we're starting to go back to the classroom. So I'm mm -hmm. going to have 11 students in the classroom and eight via via ah, Zoom. So that's going to be, yes. right, that's going to be really oh, challenging. Yeah, it's going to be a And challenge, so I'm actually right. trying to think of how I can sneak a multimeter to everyone in the room but the ones in Zoom won't know about it. <laughs> trying to figure out, because I want them to touch a multimeter and be able to take the leads and say, "Oh, I figured out the resistance of this resistor." I tell them that when you have kids someday, you want to know are the batteries not working in your and their child's toy or something. So I'm still trying to figure out how I could because we're not supposed right. to touch anything, and that's that's the tough right. part. What about? I'm just thinking out loud. I'll, I probably will ask uh, Professor Javier at our team if he has any ideas there. Um, maybe if you pair them in groups, I'm just thinking out loud, um, pair them in groups like the one who's on Zoom, maybe from their phone or WhatsApp or something, and the one who is in the class with a multimeter and they can discuss together. I don't know if that would be possible. Mm, I'm not like sure. Like I'm not that. sure. I, I'm, I'm just thinking... <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud because I've I've seen other examples where where students are are connecting uh, in doing this group work in in uh, so so maybe one I like that idea. one time so they are with the multimeter one right. is 
uh, walking sharing. and analyzing the data because one thing is using the instrument, right? right. Measuring right. whether it is the built-in uh, sensors that we have in smartphones with that for physics. And the other thing is analyzing the data, right? right. Uh, so so uh, there are learning objectives for each step of, you know, of this inquiry process, right? So maybe, I'm just thinking out loud. Um, I like that, it, I like that could, idea because they can take their laptop and kind of push down the top exactly. parts of the cameras right on their table. And exactly. so they can show their lab partner, you know, here's the leads, here's where I'm touching it. So at least the other person can see it up close. Oh, I'm liking right, that. I'll have to right, think about that right. some more. <laughs> right. I, we, we can think about it. We can definitely <laughs> yeah. uh, circle back um, uh, about it. Um, your thoughts on on uh, you know distance learning and and I just I you know listening to you is so inspiring. I I want to share with other educators because you've Mrs. Martha Vargas Style has <laughs> made it possible. I I say it proudly, right? Um, as a as a Latina in in science and in STEM, um, I I want to I want to share with with the rest of our audience and our listeners that you have made it possible during a pandemic to inspire students to experiment at home. So right? I, will, I will tell you this, you know, I told my kids, no hay mal que por bien no venga, which basically means there's nothing bad that happens and some mm. good won't come of it. And so one of the things that I've discovered with the labs is I noticed last year and the year before that in the little lab groups, which because of the equipment, I had five, sometimes six people in a group. Um, it was just like at my professional job. Some people were doing all the work and some people mm. were just sitting back watching and letting the other people mm. do the work. Well, they couldn't do that this year. <laughs> they were on their right. own. So I believe that, I don't know which one of those students would have been the workers right. and which ones wouldn't, but I, I have to believe that the maturity, the mm. discipline that was developed because they mm. had to depend on themselves, One student said to me just recently in, in his lab, I really like doing this better with lab groups. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody does, I told him. But isn't it wonderful that you've done such a good job because he's still an A student anyway. Mm. It just required maybe a little more work because you had to do this measuring and set it up and take the picture and analyze the data. Right, so right. I think that's just that much stronger for college where same thing's going to happen. They're going to have some group dynamics where you have some people that just don't do as much work as others. It right? mm. doesn't matter. You're going to do it because you need to do a good job because you want to do a good job, right? right. So I, I believe that this year, these particular students, I told them, this is a gift. Take this as a gift because it's wonderful. I'm so proud of you. You need to be proud of yourselves. And so on the Zoom, I could see some going like this because I told them, give yourselves a pat on the back, right? <laughs> so that, and I think that's big because that is applicable to any subject, whether you have to write a term paper, you know, an essay, or I have to get you this lab. I need to focus and I need to have the discipline to get it done. And that's what they had to do. So I think that's a huge growth opportunity that's only because of this pandemic. Oh my goodness, my goodness. I can talk hours and hours with you and, and listening to listen to all your stories, your anecdotes <laughs> with your students, the ones who send you emails now that they're sophomores and taking physics or your students that are doing labs at home with Lab for Physics or the students that are going in person and, and we're thinking about this hybrid model. I've learned so much from you and your experience. I've been inspired uh, by uh, you and your students and I 
my I want to uh, give a big shout out to all your students. We can share this podcast to them. Yeah. Uh, all the students, the, all the all the Mrs. Steyer students, a, a, a big congratulations to you. I think you, you've been doing fantastic during this pandemic. I, I truly hope just with um, with Mrs. Steyer that you, uh, you choose. Uh, if you don't choose, it's okay. But if you choose a STEM related career, we'll be very, very happy. And I am sure that this was an experience for you to grow, make mistakes, uh, continue improving and, and just, you know, keep asking questions and keep seeing the world around yourself uh, and experimenting, keep experimenting. Uh, dear audience um, and Mrs. Styat, thank you so, so much. I am a big fan of you and I'll continue to <laughs> be a you. big fan of you. <laughs> and um, me as well. Uh, thank you so much for inspiring all of us at Lab for You and all of your students. Um, do you have a message uh, for your students or for other educators as we come to the conclusion of this episode? Make it fun. Make it fun and... Homework is so important. That's where they get to practice those concepts. Just because you think you understand it doesn't same thing until you actually do the problems. Absolutely. So, thank absolutely. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the work you do, for being such an inspiring oh, physics uh, teacher, such an inspiring engineer. Thank you for inspiring the future engineers and scientists of this world. Thank you so much for inspiring the Latinos in, <laughs> in, in science and engineering um, in California. And now the rest of the world is going to listen to your story and your student story. Thank you so much. And And uh, keep experimenting. Yay. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, on the contrary, uh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, talk to you and see you in the next episode of Love For You Talks. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Love For You Talks. We will be placing some links in the notes of this episode, in our YouTube channel and on our website www.lapforyou.co. This episode was recorded in our homes working remotely. The creative production and graphic design was carried out by Jose Ferrada, our head of design, and the distribution by our friends from LEAF. If you liked this episode or have any feedback or want us to dig deeper into any topic, leave us a comment or review on Apple's podcast or you can write to us at info at lapforyou.co where we will be reading all the reviews, messages and emails. Thank you for listening and keep experimenting.